What's up? This 11:30 crowd is feeling it today, man. Yeah. Mm. You guys try the raisins. <laughs> now you might need. An, uh, I figured you might need a little sugar because it's going to be an hour-long message. So, please. No, I'm joking. They don't let worship leaders talk that long. So, but uh, as I was looking and reading through John 15, we we're going to be going through John 15. I've enjoyed going through John this summer. It's been a great, uh, great study. I was thinking about um, what Jesus is saying. I mean, he's the vine and the branches and there's grapes and, and all these different things. And, and I started thinking about that. And I saw this quote actually about raisins. And it goes like this. It says, every box of raisins is a tragic tale of grapes that could have been wine. <laughs> Think about that one for a second. Every box of grapes is a tragic tale of grapes that could have been wine. You know how raisins are made? It's the exact same way that wine's made up to a certain point. A vineyard is grown, it's tended to by a farmer, it's taken care of, it's watered. And then at the central moment where the grapes are at their most ripe, when they would normally be picked to make wine, they are then, the cane is then cut. The cane is cut. So all nutrients going to these grapes is cut off. And the cane begins to die. And the grapes begin to die and shrivel and shrink in the sun. And then they become a tasty kid's snack in a nice little box. Up until that point, though, up until they cut off from the cane, they're the same thing. It's the same process. And yet, in your life and in my life, how, far, how, how, how often have we been something that's just enjoyed quickly and quickly forgotten, but not enjoyed delicately, balanced, full-bodied wine? Now, you think, I'm not advocating for you to go and drink wine today, okay? So you're like, oh, come on. The pastor said we should be drinking wine. Church attendance would double, I guarantee. No, I'm not saying that you should drink wine. What I'm saying is that there is the idea that up to a certain point, grapes could be raisins or they could be something delicate, balanced, refined, joy, enjoyed around the world, all around the world. And far often in our spiritual life, we're content being kid snacks when we could be wine. We're going to explore that a little bit today. So if you wouldn't mind getting out your sermon notes, or the Northgate app has sermon notes on it as well, we're going to be <coughs> excuse me, reading um, here um, on the screen as well um, a little bit of the scripture here in John 15. It goes like this. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. When I was reading this passage, there's a certain word that stuck out to me. I don't know if it stuck out to you. It was the word remain. What in the world does it mean to remain in him? Have you ever thought about that? What does that look like? I began to explore it and ask God to give a little clarification to me. And, and, and I came up with this idea that 
remaining in Christ is actually two things. It's vertical and it's horizontal. Remaining in Christ is both vertical and horizontal. Let's talk first about the vertical piece. A relationship with God that's often talked about in the church. I have a relationship with God. And if if you're new to the church, you're going to come to that point and go, that may be the weirdest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) How do you have a relationship with somebody you're never that's never here. Like, what does that look like? But for those of you who have been in the church for a while, you understand that to mean that you spend time praying and talking. You feel like God's talking back to you a little bit. Some people call it your gut or your intuition, but when you know Jesus, it's actually the Holy Spirit. I believe that very strongly. You begin to have a relationship with him. But there's one thing that always, always, always will break that relationship apart. Anybody know what it is? Sin. Yeah. We don't often like to talk about it because basically we believe ourselves to be good and moral people, but everybody has sin in their life. Everybody has sin in their life. Maybe maybe you just cheated a little bit on your tax return. Maybe you just told a little lie that maybe nobody would know was true or not true. Maybe you're talking poorly about somebody. Maybe, 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 maybe everybody has something. Because we're in this church, we have this saying that we are just people in process. There are no perfect people in this room, except for my wife tells me I'm perfect every day. (laughs) Or I remind her to tell me. There are no perfect people because sin is a real thing. It happens and it breaks the relationship with God. And we have to talk about it a little bit. There's a king named David. He was a king of the Jewish people. And one day he's sitting out on his balcony and I I kind of imagine him in his robe and he's got his coffee in the morning news, just kind of walking out there, strolling out. And all of a sudden he sees a naked woman bathing on on a roof over there and he kind of just goes one, like, huh. Stays there a while. Ends up calling her over to his place, getting her pregnant. Now the real problem is that they're not married. She's actually married to one of his generals. So what does he do? He gets her pregnant, so now he's got to take care of of her husband, and he ends up sending her her husband to the front lines of a battle, and he gets killed. Pretty brutal. The story goes on and on. It gets better, I promise, but maybe you're not like King David, seeing somebody naked, knocking him up, and then killing her husband. Maybe you're not like that, and if you are, if that is your story, I would legitimately like to sit down with a glass of wine with you. (laughs) You have an interesting story. You may not be that far in sin. Okay, but there's something, every one of us is in this room today, and if you want to establish a good relationship with God, you've got to get to a point where you can get some of that junk out of the way. You've got to get to a point of that. After David kind of comes to his own consequences uh, of his actions, he tries to get right with God, and he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. David understood that God would forgive him. God can forgive you. There's a disease that happens in some wineries, and it's called uh, dead arm disease. What it is, it's a couple of different funguses that get in and affect some of the branches. And it doesn't happen fast. It happens over time. And guess what happens to those branches that get dead arm? They end up having, they end up dying. They end up not being able to produce any fruit. And if it's not trimmed away, if it's not cut out, then eventually they'll take over the whole vineyard and destroy the vineyard. Sin can be like that just a little bit. It starts to grow, it starts to grow, it starts to grow, and soon enough, if you don't take care of it, it's going to kill the vineyard. It's going to kill your connection with God. 
There's counseling sessions that happen in my office often, and people say, I just feel like I, God, I'm, I can't hear God. I don't know why he moved. I don't know why he's not talking to me. I can't hear him. And as we work it through far often, there's some things going on in their life. And you know yet because you've been there, there's some things going on in our lives where we're not right with God. And so when sin breaks that relationship, Jesus came down to this earth. He lived, he died, he rose again so that we may have true forgiveness. That's how this thing works. You want a real connection with God, you got to get right with him. And you can do that today. It's very easy. You just got to take a moment and ask him. That's how you start your connection with God. Secondarily, the horizontal piece of remaining in him is another one. Is that we need to be connected to the vineyard, right? We need to be connected in other spaces. Have you ever driven into Napa and, and seen just a random vine just growing in the middle of a field? No. Why not? Because it's going to die. It can't survive on its own. Not at all. When I uh, first got into ministry in about 2004, I began working at a church and for five and a half years I worked there. And then I came to the realization that it was an incredibly toxic environment for me to be in. I don't know if you've ever been in a job like that where there's a, it's a toxic environment. So my wife and I decided to leave that church and we were hurt and we were sad. And for the next year and a half, we didn't connect with any church. We had a period in our lives where we had friends from our old church, but we didn't have any connection with a local church. And then one day, uh, we were able to buy a house, and we're thinking about moving and how all the stuff you have to move, you know, and, and, we're, and we're laying in bed, and I, and I lean over to her, and I go, Joanna, I don't know who's going to help us move. It's an odd thought, right? Like, you got to join church to have people help you move? Like, I don't know. <laughs> No, I mean, we, we had friends that we connected with deeply. And we still had good friends, but we would see them. They'd come over for dinner every once in a while. We wouldn't see them on a consistent basis. They weren't involved in our lives as much as we weren't involved in their lives as well. And I realized at that moment that we may not have a group of people who are going to come and sweat it out with us to move some couches. And thankfully, we did. They were the church that day. They took care of us. But I, I thought, man, we, we got we to reconnect with a group of people. I still remember the first Easter I've ever missed. I've never missed an Easter service in my life. I grew up a pastor's kid, so I had to go to church because um, I'd get spanked if I didn't. So it was easier for me to just go. And I liked being at church. They had crackers. But I remember I, I, I sitting there. It was about a year, uh, just over a year into us being um, not plugged into a local church anywhere. And what happened is, is I'm sitting there and we're thinking, where do we connect? Like, do we, do we go to Catholic Mass now? I don't, I don't understand what this is. I'll never forget that feeling. And we've never missed one since. We always want to be a part of a church body. We're wired to connect. We're wired to connect. I hear as a pastor quite often, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And you know what my answer is? It's just false. It's wrong. Because I've never met a thriving Christian who is not involved in a local church. Never met one. Never ever. Now, you can still believe in Christ and have a relationship with him, but there's a horizontal aspect to this of that you've got to be connected into the vineyard and encouraged in that space. Yeah, do you understand what I'm saying? There's a movie called Castaway. You ever see that movie with Tom Hanks? Man, what a weird movie. 
Because I, uh, we've got this character here. You guys know who this is? Wilson. We understand the instinctual need to connect with people so much that by the end of a movie, we've watched him talk to a volleyball for an hour. And when that volleyball is floating away, you're bawling your eyes out going, oh, don't go, Wilson. You know you did it. I'm not the only one, man. <laughs> we're wired to connect. That's how we're designed. That's how we're shaped. Here you go. That's how it is. We're wired to connect. It's so important. You know, Adam had Eve. Batman had... Yeah, even Frodo, for all your nerds out there, had the fellowship of the ring, right? They had a whole fellowship. And let's not forget about our good friend Samwise Gamgee, okay? Samwise is the only reason Frodo ever made it. We have to connect. And that story is told throughout time, and in the church it's no different. You've got to connect in this space. You know, when you get to heaven, Paul's not going to be standing there. And he's not going to be saying, "Mm, you had 15 tardies this year. And 12 unexcused absences. You're going to have to say some Hail Marys in the corner before you get in here. That's not the case. It doesn't get you into heaven. It doesn't make you Christian going to church. It doesn't make you any more Christian than the next. It makes you better at being a Christian. It makes you a better person when you attend this space. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than owning a gym membership means that you actually go and work out. How many of you, you, you have a gym membership and you're like, I ain't even used it in six months. Yeah, there's some truth. Yeah, it doesn't mean you actually work out. It just means that you're connected in that space. And so when you come to church on a Sunday, I tell you what, my week shifts because of it. When I'm here and you're here, we receive a blessing together that is different than when you're not here or when I'm not here. Yeah? It shifts your week and it has every ability to do that all the time. You know, there's a wine that they make out of things, out of the dead arm, on dead arm, uh, the disease I talked about earlier. There's a wine that they actually make out of this, and they can make it only for a few years. Why can they only make it for a few years? Because it kills the entire vineyard. It's called dead arm Shiraz. It actually does pretty well, I guess, but they can only make, what an unsuccessful vineyard, like every 10 years, you're like, oh, we have to replant the whole thing again. Because There's no real connection. It's killed. I have a staff saying quite often um, that we work in a hospital, not a health spa. We work in a hospital, not a health spa, because some of you are thinking right now, Jesse, I would connect with church, but there are so many bad churches. And I want to say to you today, there are not bad Christian churches. There are bad leadership decisions in Christian churches. There's broken people in positions of leadership. There's a bunch of jacked up folks in this room right now. Not you, the person next to you. Right? We're all broken people. We're all people in process. We need to be a grace-filled community. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. There's not bad churches. There's just bad people in churches. But you know what? God's grace can extend beyond that. It can extend way beyond that. And so we're not a health spa. We're a hospital. So I tell our new staff members, you're going to be around some weird people, man, some broken, jacked up people. And again, it's not you, it's, it's the next person, I swear. Because in this space, we can finally admit that we don't have it all together, yeah? Yes. We don't have it all together. 
And you know what? That's okay because God's grace extends down to us and we continue to improve. We continue to have a relationship with him and with his church. What if the early church, 2,000 plus years ago, never decided that attending and being a part of a group was that big of a deal? What if the early church, you know what, a year into this thing, like, man, God has done some amazing things. I mean, like, you know, crazy amounts of stuff, but my boat at the lake is getting a little tired. I need to probably use that, and I can only use it on Sunday. What if, what if the early church decided that meeting together and encouraging each other and reading the letters from the apostles and singing songs to God and connecting and giving, what if they decided that wasn't important? You imagine where you'd be right now? We wouldn't be here. What if 27 years ago, an original 12 people that came with Pastor Ken decided that meeting in his living room every weekend was not that big of a deal? What if that would have happened? I can guarantee we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be here today. My family is incredibly blessed by being a part of Northgate. I don't know about you. So blessed. But it wouldn't be here today if that original 12 had decided to casually take church seriously. It just doesn't happen that way. Jesus continues to go on in this passage. I'm just going to read a couple verses for you. It says, I've told you this so that your joy may be, um, be, be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. This is my command, love each other. How are you going to love somebody you're never around? I've been married for 13 years, best 13 years of my wife's life, I swear. (laughs) I tell her that every day. You got the best life, you got me. What happens if I were to just hang out with my wife for a couple hours twice a month? And I was just to spend a couple hours with her. And we went to dinner. We had a nice time. We encouraged. We felt so much better about it. But then all the other time was spent just texting or watching her online. Mm. You think I'd be married for 13 years? I wouldn't even be married for three months. You'd be done. Because we never really truly connected consistently. There's an interesting church statistic. About 30 to 40 years ago, they started saying that Average church attendance for somebody who's a member, a giver, of people who are serving, that that would be between three and four times a month. So they may not make every Sunday, which is kind of hard for everybody to make every Sunday all the time, but they would make three out of the four or four out of the four Sundays a month. And that was the average church attendance. And about 25 years ago, they started to notice a shift. And the shift started to happen And average church attendance went from three to four times a month down to two to three times a month. And so when I was first in worship ministry, if you introduce a new song, you must sing it three times. You had to sing it three weekends in a row. And if you were one of the few people who uh, were here all three weeks, you hated that song by the end of it. But for the majority of the people who were in the room, that was probably the first time they ever heard it. Because two to three times a month. Now, there's been a new shift that's happened probably in the last six to eight years. And that shift is now an average church attendance of somebody who calls a church home, is a giver, is serving, is a part of things, has gone from two to three to one to two times a month. One to two times a month. How are you going to establish a relationship? How are you going to love each other if you're never here? And you 
you, you may think, man, this is pretty self-serving, Jesse. You, as a pastor, you're just telling people to go to church. And I said, well, I don't do this for my good. I really do this for your good and for the good of the church. That when we come together, it shifts eternity. Did you see what happened on this stage? It's happened for three services. It would have never happened had the church decided that coming together, meeting together, and doing these things was not important. I think that's worth our time. I think that's valuable. So I'm going to land the plane here because there's three things you can do to reestablish your relationship with God and within the church. Three quick and easy things you can do this week. The first thing is this. You got to get right with God. Get right with God. Everybody has sin. We talked about that, right? There's sin in your life and there's something that's been boiling in you and saying, you know, it keeps being repeated over and over and over again and you think it's just guilt or shame. But the reality is that maybe the Holy Spirit's saying to you today that there's something you need to get right with God about. I had to get right with God this morning and then after the last service and the service, I'm getting right with God all the time. I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. Let's talk, God. You got to get right with God. There's something. And you, you may think it's weird that you're going to tell God something that he already knows. <laughs> but a relationship with God isn't one way. Just because he knows it doesn't mean he doesn't want to hear it from you. So you got to get right with God. And that's today. You can do that right today. The Bible says that Jesus came into this world. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody. And so it says all you have to do is ask for forgiveness. And so you ask him for forgiveness, and it says he grants that forgiveness. That's why he came, to make a new way for us to have a relationship with him. You can get right with God today. You don't have to wait. It doesn't have to be this big spiritual moment. You can just say, God, you know I screwed up. I screwed up. I'm sorry. I'm going to try and change my way. And that's it. It's done. It's gone. You can do that today. The second thing is just you've got to find 10 minutes. You can find 10 minutes. Some of you play your phone in the toilet for more than 10 minutes. You know who I'm talking about, too. It's mostly the dads. Uh Uh-oh. You have a commute. You have a commute. You have time you're just laying in bed watching silly Facebook videos. You have 10 minutes. And what you do is you begin to have a conversation. You're going to connect with God. And a conversation is two things. It's talking to God, but it's also listening Sometimes I walk around the church campus, and when I talk to God, more often than not, I talk out loud. So I'm the crazy person, like, dear God, these things are happening, what's going on? And people think I'm probably out of my mind, but God and I talk out loud. That's just how it works. So the other piece of it, though, is I've learned to also listen. I communicate, and then I sit and I listen, and I usually feel like he he confirms something in my soul. Or I say, God, I'm here, I'm listening. And then he goes ahead tells me some things and we talk. You can find 10 minutes and then the next day you can find 10 more minutes and the next day you can find 10 more minutes and the next day and the next day you get the idea. And the third thing is make attending church a priority. My friends, we miss out when you're not here. And you may have a friend who's not here today and you're like, man, you should have heard that. Jesse was amazing. I know you'll say it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Make attending church a priority. Make sure that it's a priority for you and for your family, and it will never be a priority on accident. Just like living a generous life, you must commit to this each time because, again, we're wired for relationship. If you don't think that attending church more often will shift your life, can you do this one thing for me? 
Try it for three months. Try it for three months. Actively engage in your church. And if it's not this church, that's okay. Find a local church. Engage in it. Be there. Attend as often as possible. And see what happens in your life. And if it doesn't begin to shift, if your life doesn't begin to shift, then I'd love to have lunch or coffee with you and find out what's going on in your world. Maybe there's a place that you can plug in or a place that you can be. I want you to be a part of that. But make that shift. Make it a priority. Why do I say all these things? And this is, this, is, this is kind of the end of this. Why do I say all these things? Because I want you to live a life bearing great fruit. I want you to be delicately balanced, enjoyed by others, not a kid's snack easily discarded. You have that opportunity today. You have an opportunity today. I was recently just sitting in a man's house. He's laying there and he's pale and he's thin and he's frail and he's struggling to breathe and he can't communicate and he's not moving at all. And his family had asked me to come and pray with him. So I went into the room and I began to to just lay a hand on him and pray for him. And then I sat down and he couldn't move. He couldn't move his eyes. and And I sat down there and I looked him straight in the eye and I go, do you know who I am? And do you know why I'm here? And ever so slightly, his eyes moved and his right eyebrow raised, as if to acknowledge why I was in the room with him that day. The hospice nurse was saying, it's minutes, it's hours, it's a day or two, but that's it. He's at the end. Why is it so important that we get this connection with God and connection with his church so important? Why is it so important? Because at the end of your life, will you regret the times you spent diving into relationships with others? No. Will you regret the times that you poured into your local church? We go, man, I can't believe I wasted so many Sundays. (laughs) Lying there on your deathbed, I highly doubt it. Will you immediately regret the amount of time you spent on Facebook? Yeah. Find 10 minutes. Get right with God. Make attending a church priority in your life. Because... I want you to be wine. Don't be a box of raisins because every box of raisins is a tragic tale of grapes that could have been wine. Would you bow your heads with me for a minute? Not a Vallejo location, if you'd bow your heads as well. Your campus pastor, Megan, she's going to be standing out front and she's going to be acknowledging decisions you're about to make. And in this room... You maybe heard something today that is going to cause you to ask a different question about the day. Maybe you need to get right with God. Maybe you recognize that right away. I need to get right with God. I got to admit this. I got to ask for his forgiveness. I need that. And the reason we bow heads isn't to manipulate or anything. We, we want you to have a time where you can respond to the message today. So you're thinking... Maybe I need to reconnect and commit as a making church a priority in my life. Or maybe, maybe today you just need to get right with God. Church may be a priority, but there's some kind of junk in the way affecting your relationship with him vertically. So it's time to let it go. It's time to ask God for forgiveness. And if that's you today, and you're in this room or you're at a Vallejo location, I'm going to ask you to do something really important. I'm going to ask you to acknowledge that. 
And in just a second, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and look up at me. If you are here today needing to make a decision to get right with God, make church a new priority in your life, or just recommit to him overall. If that's you today here in Benicia or in our Vallejo location, Megan will be there at the front. She wants to look you in the eye, and I want to look you in the eye as you raise your hand. And if that's you today, will you be bold and raise your hand at both, both spaces? Raise your hand nice and high. Look at me, and I just want to acknowledge, yep, I see you. I see you, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to that space. We're all people in process. And maybe you heard something today about Jesus that maybe stirred in you a new thing. None of this makes a whole lot of sense, friends. Going to church and being in church doesn't make a whole lot of sense without Jesus. Jesus talks in this last little bit, greater love has no one than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did. He came and he lived and he died and he rose again. And we believe that, proving that he is God, not so that we could be moral people or just better people, but that so we could be forgiven people. Your eternity can literally shift today with a decision. The Bible says that if you speak it with your mouth and acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and acknowledge that he raised from the dead, that today you'll be saved. Eternity in this room is about to shift for somebody. Do you know that? And if you've never made that decision, I'm not talking about you made that decision when you were a kid and walked away from it. We already talked about recommitment. I'm talking about for the very first time, friends. I want to know something. Would you, heads are bowed. Heads are bowed. Would you look up at me and raise your hand and just so I can acknowledge that you're making that decision today that you want to find out more about Jesus. Yeah, I see. Any hands? Yes. 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 Yeah, wow, hands all around. Yeah, yeah. Eternity has shifted today. God, may you reconcile us with you in a new way today. May we know your goodness in a brand new way. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for your church. We accept you today. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. 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 Yeah. So good. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.